Welcome back to episode 11 of the Mental Health Commute with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. Last session, we ended by discussing that we would talk about some of the more positive aspects of mental health. So look at the roadways of mental health and what might be looking out positive in that way. When I think about uh, what positives, I believe that, you know, when people have different mental health disorders, when they are suffering, right? Often people who have a mental health disorder are grouped as having just one thing. You know, there are many types of mental health disorders. Some people call them behavioral health disorders. And if you look over the years that psychiatry has existed, psychology has existed, and we've talked about mental health, actually the number of disorders has grown over time. I think that's a very good thing as we are more able to specifically target what is going on. Some people might say, oh, they're just throwing out more and more diagnoses so they can come up with new medicines, treatments, ways to deal with things. But if you really think about it, things such as heart surgery, cardiology, diabetes, the more specific we can be in identifying what is going on, the better able we are to target and treat that. And this gets back into some of the research that we've talked about that's going on and more and more research luckily is going on in mental health and substance abuse. There are a lot of positives, and I think one of the main positives for the person themselves who's experiencing mental health issues, and let's be realistic, everybody, everybody has times in their life where they feel either anxious, sad, depressed, might be irritable. As we've talked about before, it's when those things last a longer amount of time and they interfere with your function. If you look at anything with the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Psychiatry, every disorder lists is one of the qualifiers that you have to have a functional deficit going on with it. If you're just a super happy person, and you might be a little annoying to some folks, but you just tend to be really happy, but it doesn't really affect any functioning in your life, and nobody else has any functional issues with you, it really does not necessarily qualify as a disorder. Now can look at some of the positive attributes. I think when you are feeling a certain way, it gives you insight into how others might be feeling and when others are experiencing those same things. I mean, this is the concept of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, correct? People get into Alcoholics Anonymous, and that was developed because people who go through alcohol issues, same thing for Narcotics Anonymous, substance abuse issues, a lot of times they feel like if they can understand each other and follow a specific program, it can be very helpful to them because they have peers who have gone through the same process who are able to give them feedback and have been down that road. It does not work for everybody. For a lot of people, it is a vital part of their treatment program. A lot there to, to start off this episode. <laughs> <laughs> When I think of positives of mental health, the first thing that comes to mind is what about the people who feel like having this condition also gives them a benefit? So yeah, that's going to be very a very good thing to have. You know, there's one thing just in regular life, if you look at skill sets that people have, positives and negatives, where do you get the most bang for your buck? It's usually after taking the things that are positive 
and enhancing them even more. I think the issue sometimes becomes if you have, for example, four different areas of your life and you're super, super strong in one, if you do not enhance the others to some degree, you might have significant functional deficits. So you might have this great asset, the ability to remember numbers, every single number, but you are not able to usefully deploy that in the real world. So it can be a very positive, but just like everything, there's two sides to coin, right? You can have a positive thing, but you have to have some balance with it. Sometimes you do have those things that are are a little bit more lower in your skill set, some deficits, and you have to build them up to some degree, but not expecting that they're going to become as powerful and as well-developed as your really positive skills. If I feel like my illness contributes to my success and that if I get better, I'll be less successful, how do I approach that in my life? So can you be more specific? I'm understanding, I think, where you're going, but I think it'd be better for our listeners if you're a little more specific. So something a lot of people may have seen, and, you know, it gets hard to to get down to specific examples sometimes, but there was that Beautiful Mind movie where the, the mathematician was very great at what he did, but he was also, I think, schizophrenic is the the term. And in order for him to treat his schizophrenia, he wasn't able to do math at all. At, at some at, point. At that point. Now, over time, they said that the treatments got better, and he was able to to go back and do some form. I don't think he was able, ever able to do compromise his gift, so to speak, in order to, to get healthy. Well, he had, and we don't know the whole story. I, I didn't research that fully for this episode. But I, I think in what you find, and you talk, this is a very good thing to bring up because we have genetic vulnerabilities. So this was a person who was extremely gifted in the mathematical area. And he did end up getting a Pulitzer, right, for yeah. what he developed. But by going through that and developing the concepts that he developed, he was at the ripe age where a lot of times schizophrenia develops in later adolescence, early adulthood, that's when it really can often come about. He had this emergence of his great gift and the schizophrenia at the exact, you know, at the same time. That was a great interplay of those things. And so this is a definite place where his mental illness led to a functional deficit for him. But then neat thing about that movie, and I think just in general, is that you had people who really believed in his gift and what he had done and supported him. And he was still able to do great things with students and be a huge contributor. So even though he went through a terrible illness. This brings me back to talking about my father. I've talked about my dad who had a serious persistent mental illness, had a great mind, you know, of course subjective in that, but he had one of these very good memories. And he was robbed of that gift over time by his illness and the various medications at the time and the other things going on. However, he was able to maintain a business up until his mid-50s. Why did that happen? He had a fantastic wife who stood by him. Over time, he went in with a partner, and that partner and the partner's wife were very supportive of him throughout that time. It probably extended his ability to work for another 15 to 20 years, really, listically. There's a lot of positives that come out of things, you know, and uh, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair if I didn't have my dad and my mom and went through the experiences I went through. So we've talked about the why. You've asked me this many times. Why, why go into this field? You know, it's sort of a depressing field from a lot of people's view. You know, mental health, people have Problems with depression, anxiety, distractibility. Well, you have people with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. You have people who can't work or they're out of work for a while. Why would you go into something like that? Well, there's... 
the possibilities or the very positive things that can happen. One, what can, I should say, how can the field advance as we move forward? On the individual level, it is just amazing to work with somebody and see them come through that episode or come to some realization that things can change for a very positive way when they thought nothing could change. And to go through that experience with them is, is really an, an amazing feeling. And uh, it's nothing really that you're doing. You're just being there for them and helping guide them. I think the problem a lot of times arises when people feel that they are there to fix people. That's not our job to fix people. And sometimes people come in, I, I just want you to fix this and make it go away. You know, that is really not the purpose of treatment or, or therapy. It's to help guide and to help treat so you as a person are stronger and more successful in life. Yeah, talking about that, the thing that comes to mind, frame it in a different way maybe, is what I hear you saying is the people involved in someone getting better, not having to deal with the illness in the way they do, get to see that person almost come back to life or expose who they really are. So it's, you know, the, the first thing that hit my head was examples you're seeing out there now, but they come in and give them a, a physical makeover. Right? They cut their hair, they clean them up, they give them new clothes, and you look at them and you go, well, that person's not the same person as I saw at the beginning of, of this shoot. And I think in, in my experiences, it's not that different when someone comes out of where the illness has put them in their life, whether it's substance abuse or deep depression or can't hold down jobs because of whatever they're dealing with. And you see them come out and they're, they're different. And you go, either this is who I remember or this is who I knew you always were. Or, wow, I, this is amazing, right? To put that in better context, And what you find, since I've had to sit with your mom through many of these shows over the years, and uh, Stacy, and I forget the other guy's name, but uh, I watched that show for years and years. And as they go through these makeovers, when you look at the makeup and the hair and the clothes, it's really about that the people that they are making over, they get into their life a little bit, and uh, they have sort of given up on some aspects of their life. They've become stuck in a rut. They are quote-unquote comfortable with the identity they have and they're just stuck on how to change it or can I change it or if I change it what does that mean or at least this way I can sort of I feel I can sort of hide and through this makeover they're sort of brought out back into society so to speak you know at the end of the makeover often what happens is they go back home and they have the reveal party people are just amazed and the reaction of the person to the other people is just like oh my god Gosh, you know, I didn't realize that other people would see me that way, uh, especially, you know, when they're in like New York City and they're going through this. And at the end, they look at themselves and they go, well, you know, I, I think I look pretty good. But then when it comes to the actual time for the reveal, they're pretty anxious. How is everybody else going to accept me? Because I've gone through a big change. Is it, are other people going to accept me? Just think if you're married and you go through that huge change. Those are really interesting things to watch. They'll often follow up with them a few months down the road, three to six months, but you often don't see what goes on two years down the road. Sometimes they did follow those, and a lot of those people actually continue to implement what has been changed. There are some people who sort of revert back, but, you know, sort of the 80-20 rule, about 80% continue to uh, do a majority of what they've been taught.
so looking at those examples, I think what we're getting to is these illnesses affect more than just the person that's dealing with them. And as that person improves, it actually has a ripple effect through everyone who's around them, especially the people who are assisting them or involved in wanting to see their life improve. From that aspect, if you're in some a person in someone's life and you're you want to have a positive impact on them. How important is it for that person to understand exactly what it is that they're dealing with? Isn't it just, as you were alluding to earlier in the episode, well, all I need to know is they have a mental health illness. Or do I? is it important for me to know what they're dealing with because I may need to assist differently based on what they're dealing with? I think it's more the latter, that you really need to understand what you're dealing with. You know, often what happens, and I see this over and over, a lot of things are very well-intentioned. When you are involved with somebody and you see them really hurting, you want to fix the situation. This is somewhat stereotyped, but especially the man will want to fix the situation. Oftentimes, the person who's having the issue does really not want you to fix anything. They want you to be there and be able to be that safe holding container that you can sort of identify with how they're feeling and just be there with it and help them move along. Now, to tell them, if you just do this, 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 you're going to be better, a lot of times they can't do this, this, and this, you know, at that point in time. The other aspect is, and this has happened this week, actually, several times, people come in together, one is experiencing, you know, significant depression, anxiety, and the other one has been trying to help them out, trying to be there for them. They're both just sort of both at a stage that they don't know what to do, and they're just reaching for help, but at the same time, they're scared, <laughs> of what type of help they they might get, sort of walking them through the possible decisions, but saying maybe these first couple decisions, if you'll put a little trust in me, I can help you. But, you know, that first time I meet them, I don't necessarily completely understand. I'm, I can't say I completely understand their situation. I don't know their entire history. You're not going to find that out in one session. It's just can you be there and develop or re- start of a relationship with folks so that they'll come back and and stay and it's really important to be sort of attuned to where that person is so not where you want them to end up but where they are now and what is the next step that they might be able to take and different people are different somebody can take a big first step somebody can only take a micro step you know and it depends if somebody's been through multiple episodes of trying to get treatment and they haven't worked for them it is very difficult to come back and ask for help again, right? Now, people might get in their minds that, well, I've tried to help and it just doesn't work. The person doesn't want my help. So there are some folks who are sort of like help rejectors. They ask for help, but they really, after you give it, they really sort of throw it back in your face and say that nothing helps. And sometimes people who are really depressed, sad, they come across like that, but that's not what they're really like. They just have experienced failure in their minds so many times. Their first response is to sort of throw it back. So actually the response they need is, oh, no, I'm not going to let you throw it back. You can throw it back, but I'm just going to keep it here, and we're still going to work on this together. Wrapping up, trying to, to summarize all the <laughs> various topics we've touched on today. Wanting to help people understand that there is a positive side. One or two takeaways we want to summarize with that says, when you think about mental illness, it doesn't all have to be negative. What does having a mental illness give you or others interact with you? 
they give you appreciation for that things cannot be going well for yourself or for others. But yet, there's another positive side to that. Two, there are constantly opportunities and improvement going on in the field. Three, there's help out there. And I think it gives you appreciation. If we just look at, uh, I don't like to get on these things, politics or our society. You see this chiasm happening in our society, right? Where you have a couple sides, more than a couple sides, and you get them in the room and they really can't not have a conversation with one another. They just will not be there to understand the other side. Because the objective is to be a one-way objective, you know, my way or the highway. There's no commuting. (laughs) We're all just going to take separate roads. It really gives you appreciation for the breadth of emotions that people are going through. It brings you some understanding over time that there's more than just a person's intent. There's genetics. There's societal things. There's social things. We have the media, the internet. You have the family you grow up in. You have the social circumstances you were born into. You each have different strengths. You might have gotten put into a, a job for a various reason that you were not intended to be in. You know, it does not meet your skill set. And that alone leads you to be feeling depressed and anxious. And really what you need is a change of your job but might be hard to do especially if you would have to take a pay cut for example so i think it give makes you a better person in a lot of ways if you allow it to so those would be my takeaways